You're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. We're live from Sherm 22 and talking to some of the best minds in HR and business. We are digging into the most pressing issues in the workplace so you don't have to. Now, here's your host, William Tinkup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tinkup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have a returning guest on, Ben from Qualtrics. We're going to be talking about employee experience trends. Some shorten that to just EX. I kind of like that that because, uh, you know, employee experience is a lot of words. So if we can just do the EX uh, is fantastic. And he Ben's an expert. This is, a, this is what he does all the time, all day long and all that stuff. So we're going to learn a little bit about the trends, what he's seeing in the data, and uh, what he's seeing from a Qualtrics perspective. So, Ben, please introduce yourself. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, ben Granger, I lead the Employee Experience Advisory Services Practice at Qualtrics. And part of that means we work really closely with our customers to try to put into place primarily employee listening programs, but also, importantly, what organizations do with that information, which is really what matters. And because of the background, you know, we've joked in the past about us being organizational psychologists, but we do a lot of the research. Yes. We do a lot of the global research around employee experience. Yeah, the propeller heads. That's right. Propeller yes. heads. Yes. That's a, that's a psyop. That's a psyop joke for, uh, for anybody that's... Yeah, a uh, couple people a, might know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Martini glass and propeller head. Got it. So what, uh, what type of trends are you seeing these days? What's, what's popping out of you? And here we are, June of 22. Well, right now, what I'm hearing a lot is preparing for the up- upcoming economic downturn. And that is incredibly frustrating for a lot of the HR leaders that have been ch- chatting about because we're just getting done focusing on all this other stuff, yeah. like women leaving the workplace at a high rate, especially female leaders, and people talking about who have been in hybrid work environments and saying, hey, the current state of our hybrid work environment is not cutting it. So their return to office plans, how do we set our return to office plans correctly? All of that stuff. And then one more domino falls. So what I'm, the, I mean, that's the, those are some of the discrete trends, but the macro trend is her uncertainty and right. frustration. Right, right, right. And I wonder if that ever changes. So like uh, as, we, as we prepare for the impending economic downturn, which of course I think is to some degree is self-fulfilling prophecy. Like we all believe that we're going to go into a downturn and that we stop spending money. And so it actually becomes a downturn because we kind of caused it. So I, I wonder if like the uncertainty and frustration, if that's just a part of normalcy. That's a fascinating point. I would, I'll say this. I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> But I think you're going to yes and me. We'd be wise. (laughs) (laughs) We'd be wise to assume that that's true. Right. We would be wise to assume that this isn't just the next thing, that this is just how things work now. Yeah. Yeah. I I learned years ago that um, some folks just don't deal with ambiguity real well. They're not wired for ambiguity. And some people consume ambiguity maybe too well. Um, And so uh, I've, 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 I've learned that the hard way because I taught a class and I didn't have a syllabus for at, at the University of Arizona. And uh, half the class loved it. I'm like, yeah, there's no test. 
There's no midterm. There's no papers. There's no quizzes. There's no none of that stuff. We're just going to read and we're going to talk. Half the kids loved it. When I say kids. I was like three years older than them. Half the kids loved it. They're like, ah, oh, fantastic. I finally found a class. And half of them were like, uh, Professor Tincup, not a professor. Professor Tincup, what's, uh, what, when, are, when, are the, when are the tests? You have to throw out a test. <laughs> throw out a test. When's a quiz? No quiz. When are the paper? No paper. Midterm. No midterm. And uh, I get done with a bit, and my dean calls me in about a week later. He goes, hey, how's, how's class? How are you doing? I'm like, oh. I'm doing great. He said, yeah, tell me about your class. <laughs> I'm like, man, it's fantastic. So here's the deal. None of that stuff that we normally use, throwing it all out the window, we're just going to talk. He goes, yeah, good, great. Uh, so like midterm, you know, what's that look like? I'm like, yeah, there's a midterm. So just 100% participation. He's like, here, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to go create a syllabus. <laughs> <laughs> He had already been peppered by a bunch of students going, I don't know what's going on with this kid. You know, I need to, I need to know what the measurables are going to be. And from that experience, I've learned that some people just don't thrive in that environment. And I think we're learning that as we learn through COVID. So one of the things I wanted to unpack with you is this, this listening, especially as we listen and we know in the backdrop of uncertainty and, and frustration, we listen how do we listen? How do we how do we calibrate our listening to make sure that we're listening a to the right things, people, but also it's not just the people that scream the loudest, right? So that we're listening to things that we like. Okay, we've we've heard this come up now twelve different times in twelve different ways. This is probably something we should do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great point to anchor on what you were talking about with your class. You know, one of the things we know pretty well about human psychology is people can deal with change fairly well when we're supported. Right. What most people are not good at is uncertainty, Yep. which is similar to what you were describing with that ambiguity. Yep. One of the things I think that listening helps to do is provide some certainty during a time of uncertainty. So, for example, we did a study in the heart of the pandemic, and we... We, we went out to 17,000 employees globally across all industries with the exception of healthcare. We just didn't feel like it was the right time to survey healthcare workers <laughs> at that point. We were flattening the curve, right? They were, doing, they were doing some critical work. But what we found was that employees who worked for companies that did not listen in the heart of the pandemic compared to employees who work for companies that do listen but decided not to during the pandemic. In other words, the leader said, we don't have time for that now. We normally listen, but now's not the right time. We need to focus on getting people to work and getting people home. That was the second group. The third group of employees was people who work for companies that listen and decided to listen about relevant things during the pandemic. Take a, do you have a guess as to which group had the better employee attitudes? The, the third. Third group, no question. Yeah. And it wasn't even close. Yeah. The engagement was higher, their resilience was higher, their personal well-being was higher. And probably the great resignation, quote-unquote, uh, probably didn't impact them as much as well. I would agree. I mean, we saw evidence of that. And what they listened to, to answer your question directly, it was a combination of the organization asking questions like we typically do via surveying right 
but also realizing that during that time of uncertainty, and, and you made the argument earlier that maybe we're always in a, a cycle of uncertainty. Right. Well, if that's the case, a lot of times we as HR professionals don't know what to ask. We don't know what's on top of people's mind. Let them drive the conversation. In fact, that's what I'm, I have a, a talk a little bit later, about an hour and a half. And that's exactly what one of the points I'm going to make is that when we listen to people, it can't just be us as an organization driving the conversation, right. asking all the questions. We need to give them an opportunity to say, hey, here's what's on top of my mind. Job insecurity. Am I going to lose my job? That's not something that organizational leaders want to talk about, but that's what employees want to talk about. We have to give them an avenue to do that. What's your take on, on feedback in terms of anonymous versus you know, tethered to a profile or something like that? Because like, that would be something that I would love to ask. You know, as an employee, I'd love to ask that question all the time. Just, just kind of a finger on the pulse of like, hey, how are we doing? outside of what we're telling other people what we're doing, but like literally, how are we really doing? Um, but I don't know if I'd want, I don't know if I'd want my manager to know that I'm asking that question. If that makes sense. It totally does. We, you know, and, and you, you use the words that we use too. We can contrast anonymous surveys and confidential right. Right. surveys. Now, what I will say is where the technology is today, and not just our technology, but made technologies for employee listening that are on the market today. People overestimate how much access leaders get when they give their feedback. Right. Because I, I get I, I get lots of questions about this from HR managers, from business leaders around like, hey, if if it's not completely anonymous, will people have access to it? Technically, HR would have access to it. However, right. That is in lock and key. It is, I've never seen a scenario in an organization running a, a, a well-structured listening program where leaders actually had access to that information. Right. So to answer your question, I'm a huge proponent of confidential surveys because the power you get to tie that feedback to operational data and business right. performance is unrivaled when it's anonymous. And here's another interesting point. In anonymous surveys, are, the organization is going to need information. What department are you in? Yeah. Right? Because they don't know. That's right. What department are you in? They're going to ask you questions. And here's the fascinating thing, William. We did a study a few years ago comparing people's perceptions of confidential surveys <laughs> and anonymous surveys. Right. They felt that anonymous surveys were more intrusive. Why? Because they asked questions oh, yeah. that primed. Yeah. Oh, they're going to know. They're going to figure it out. So the You're in marketing. There's only five people in marketing. Exactly. I'm going to know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. So if someone's never been down the, the EX journey, or if they're starting their EX journey, and they're starting it now as, as let's say, we were towards the end of the pandemic. Not sure if we'll ever end this uh, <laughs> COVID uh, thing. I think we'll just have COVID shots. Um, how do they start? Like, where do you, where do you suggest they start today as opposed to three years ago, your answer would have been maybe the same. Uh, but where do they start their EX journey? Well, I might have an opinion that people might find surprising, which is I might start with a, a global engagement survey. And to be frank, at a conference like this and many talks, the, the engagement survey today or the employee opinion survey of the past gets a, lot, gets a bad rap. Right. I think it's a bit unfair. Right. But 
it gets a bad rap because not because it it's a it's in and of itself not good. It's right. because of the way we've done it in the past. I go further real quick because I agree with you. I I'd say it was also because we didn't listen to it. Mm. So I I even go further that we did it. Like we checked the box, mm-hmm. but the results came back in, and we didn't do anything with the data. So that's that's my take. I'm, I agree I think you're right. With. I think you're right. And the, the let's play that case out, right? right? Ah, we need to compare ourselves against our industry. We I want to know that I'm you know I'm the CEO talking right. Right. right, right. I want to know that we're better than all of our competition in this <laughs> area. So we're going to run this survey. We got to do it. Our board wants us to do it. We're going to do it, and we're going to show that we are better. We're going to get our badge, and we're going to put it on our website. That's listed for the wrong reasons, right? And if you do that way, guess what? The survey is going to suck. Right. If we're, if we're being frank, right. But I like I like starting there because one, it gets everyone in the company involved. Right. Everyone has a voice. It's a touch point. Yeah. It's a touch point. Two, it helps to train leaders how to consume that information. Right. So you're building muscle when you run that. It also helps to build trust if you run it correctly, and people see that hey, I'm not going to get retaliated against. Right. Or when I give feedback, something actually did happen or got communicated. Yeah, it's action. It action. Action. Exactly. And, and with, that builds trust. And then you can start moving on to the more innovative stuff. But I like starting there. And the other, the other reason I like starting with that survey is that's where most companies have progressed from. So there's a very well-worn path of what do you do next from there. Right. That's already, it, the playbook's laid out. The data should say something to you. In the 90s, I did a, uh, I pitched this advertising agency on me doing, an, uh, at that time it was called a satisfaction survey. So, but I said, listen, I don't want to just do a survey. I want to do, I want to actually do one-on-one interviews and then I want to do group interviews. Mm. And so I want to, I want to do a survey for everyone. It was a 150 person firm, so it wasn't that big. So I'm going to actually do one-on-ones with every single employee, every executive, everyone. And then I want to do group sessions. And I'm going to come back with you with some recommendations. The executive team signed off on it. And I did the bit. So we did the survey. And then I did one-on-one interviews with every single person, checked them off the list. Then did the, uh, the group interviews. And then I sat with the board and the executive team mm. and uh, reported back the findings. Number one thing on the list, this was in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, it was in the building where uh, a TV show was shot. And uh, the landlord wouldn't allow live uh, plants. You had to have live a, plants. Nope, no live plants. You had huh. to have uh, plastic plants. And so <laughs> I came back to the CEO. I'm sitting there, and I've got this PowerPoint presentation, you know. And I said, "Okay, the number one thing is uh, uh, potted plants." <laughs> and he thought it was a bit because you know I can I can be funny at, at points. And so he thought I was doing like a. <laughs> His whole board's there. He's like, I've hired you to do this bit, and now you come in here and you're going you're gonna to do improv comedy. I'm like, no, that, that's actually the data. So let's go through this. Let me unpack this. Because, because the landlord won't allow, people just want to bring a cactus to work. They want to bring, their, they want to bring a ficus tree. He goes, you're kidding me. I'm like, I said, and number two is so far down the list you really don't even have to hit it. Wow. I mean, it, I can, we can, we'll go into it, obviously, but it was so it was, it was a benefits thing. 
but it was so far down the list compared to potted plants. Wow. And so he gets out of the board meeting, calls the landlord, and says, listen, if you want me to sign a new lease, i got to bring in plants, period. So in, in a, like a minor, matter of hours, they had a service delivering plants, watering plants, and bringing plants wow. out. Literally carts of plants walking around going to each, each you know, there's a lot of cubicles, go to each cubicle and go, what kind of plant you want? <laughs> Yeah. It's like the trolley on uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, what do you need? What do you need? Oh, you want a cactus? Well, take the lot. What table? <laughs> I want all of those, actually. <laughs> I want to be in my own little forest area. And the people, you know, I went back afterwards, and the people, I mean, they thanked me, but I, I didn't really have anything to do with it other than just gathering data. The CEO is the one that said, uh, potted plants, that's it? That's a bit? Calls the landlord. Not only that, orders a service. And now, I mean, like, in a matter of days, everyone has potted plants. Wow. And engagement goes through the roof. People are happy. I mean, you could just you could just tell that people felt heard. Yeah. Which was the point. Exactly. I love that story. I think it's tied to the action. I think that's where I think we sometimes disassociate ourselves or disconnect from politics because we don't feel heard for whatever reason. Like you just feel like ah, my vote's not going to count. Nothing's going to change, you know. And so we just don't. We just disconnect. It's just easier to disconnect. That happens at work too. And so I think that the listening part, the active listening, and then doing something with it. I love starting with a global engagement survey because it's a great touch point. But it also, if you get some great data back, now you can start to look at it and go potted plants. That's that. That's the bit. That's yeah. what you need. So, what are the trends you see in uh, in EX right now? What's the like? What are we What are we going to wake up and be blindsided by the next? Oh, hopefully nothing. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think we're gonna we're gonna continue to see the. You know, maybe this is an overly simplistic way to look at it, but as we move into an economic downturn, I think a lot of companies are preparing to like, okay, now we're going to be in the leverage position with our talent. Yeah. Right. And then that's going to go back and forth and yep. back and forth. But I, I, what I want to see, I, I want to see organizations realize finally that in any environment, their top talent's always mobile. That's right. And vast majority of their performance comes from a very small percentage of their top talent. And that top talent can go anywhere, anytime. As much as you don't want to believe that, it's true. So, frankly, I would like, and, and this is not a projection, maybe this is kind of a hope. I hope that what we've gone through over the last two years has taught us that we cannot get comfortable. And I, I again, I go back to what you said at the beginning. Is this just normal now? Is all of the, the next thing coming, is that going to be normal? I think it would be wise for us to assume that yeah. and for leaders to realize that, yeah, maybe we will be in the leverage position. Maybe we don't have to give all these fancy perks mm-hmm. to everybody like we were let's, thinking let's about. Bring, let's bring down compensation. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, good luck with that, yeah. frankly. Good luck with that. And I don't think it's just top talent. So I'm, I'm actually, I think that people, first of all, you'd know psychologically more about this than I would. I think most of us overestimate our value. <laughs> so I don't even think it's just top talent. I think people, we've taught people through the pandemic, 
but you can work remotely. And now for everyone, whether or not they feel, whether or not you feel they're top talent, they feel they're if top they talent. they think they are. If they mm-hmm. think they are. Perception's reality. Perception's reality. And I think talent now knows that they can be remote mm. and mobile. And if, it, if they choose, now it is interesting because I am seeing some studies where Gen Z and some of the people coming out of college want to go to an office. So it is kind of interesting to see some of the differences. But... By and large, uh, a lot of people that 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 have thrived during remote, they want to stay remote. So I'm I'm really interested to kind of see that as well. It was a bit of a double-edged sword yep. with the pandemic, and that I I thought a lot of our, I was really impressed with the way a lot of company leaders responded and how quickly they responded, how much they communicated. Me too. The and then the like, where was this? Right. Well. <laughs> And, and that's exactly what I think has one of the big macro things that has changed is because people saw that happen. Yeah. Whoa. Where, I, that where, was good. Where what, were you before? Where was that? And then where's it going now? Yeah. And so it's sort of created this, I shouldn't say sort of, we've seen enough evidence in our research to suggest that employee expectations have increased sharply. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that's going to go down anytime soon. And I, I agree. I don't think that that's tethered to employee-driven market or candidate-driven market. Agreed. I don't. I think that people's expectations have just changed. Agreed. And I like that. I think they should change. It's interesting because the PGA, as a response to the LV uh, um, tournament, they're sharing more. They're going to share more of the profits with the players. Move. Mm. It's being discussed. They're going to move from twenty-five percent to fifty percent. And of course, it was the exact same thought. I'm like, why did why didn't you share that before? <laughs> like, I mean, if you had the money, why did it, why did it take another tournament? Um, ben, this has been fantastic. I know you got to go get ready for your talk. Thank you so much for carving out time for us. Anytime. This was fun. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast live at Sherm 22. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.